Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time, we're really glad you're here. I mean, I'm glad everybody's here, but uh, first-time guests, we have something special for you after the worship service. I'll tell you more about that after the message, but uh, let me tell you a little bit about something uh, I loved when I was a little kid. When I was a little boy, I liked archery, and uh, I found out uh, in my Boy's Life magazine, if you're in Scouts back in those days, I guess maybe even still, there's a magazine called Boy's Life. In the very back, that there was a place where you could order greeting cards from the Olympic Sales Club. And if you sold Christmas cards or all occasion cards, you could keep a dollar five a box or you could get a prize. Well, I decided to sell the Christmas cards and get a, a 20 pound bow from Bear. It was fiberglass, recurved bow, okay? And I don't know if you know where Gypsy is, but even in those days, there weren't that many people. And selling enough Christmas cards to buy that bow was a little bit challenging, especially once the people found out I was just selling the Christmas cards for me. It wasn't like for a cause, you know what I mean? But eventually, I sold enough Christmas cards to get my 20-pound bow. But what I didn't know is recurved meant you were supposed to string it like so it was like back this way with a lot of tension. So I, I just strung it like this way so it didn't have very much power, you know? But after six months, I figured it out. I found out how to string it the right way, and I got a couple bales of hay and some target arrows and some targets, and I started practicing, and after a while, I could hit the bullseye. So then, when I got older, I decided that I would like to have a hunting bow, and so I bought myself a bear cub with my Christmas money. Didn't have to sell cards that time. It was a 45-pound laminated wooden bow, and because I'm left-handed, it had the knocks on both sides, rather, because those days, it was hard to find bow and arrows for left-handed people. Actually, it was hard to find anything for left-handed people 45 years ago, but anyway, so I got really good with my bow and arrow, and I enjoyed, uh, actually, I went hunting. I never really hit anything but a groundhog with my bow and arrow, but anyway, um, I could hit stuff that I wanted to hit. I came home from track practice one day when I was 15, and my dad and my brother Tom and my brother Ken were on the back porch of our house, and they had a 22 pistol with a four-inch barrel. It was my mom's 22, and they had taken a four-inch plastic elbow like this, and they had drilled a hole in it, and they had taken a screw, and they screwed it onto the clothesline post, which was about a 20-yard uh, distance from the back porch. And they were trying to hit this as the bullseye with that little four-inch barrel 22, uh, with no, you know, obviously no sight or anything. Uh, and uh, basically what they were doing was digging a garden in the backyard. They were just ping, ping, ping. It was a really slow process, you know what I mean? So I went in and got my bow, and I don't know why in the world I did this, but I brought out a hunting arrow. And those days, all my arrows were wooden arrows, you know. They didn't have graphite or anything like that. Um, and so razor-tipped, you know, hunting arrow, strung my bow, got it out. I had a sight on that baby. And I hit it square in the middle of the four-inch pipe. And uh, so then I unstrung my bow and started walking in the house. And my older brother, Tom, goes, you could never do that again. Well, I don't have to do it again. I just did it, man. I hit the bullseye. You guys couldn't hit it all day. I don't know how many hours they were out there. I mean, there were empty shell casings everywhere. They hadn't hit it one time. You know, I hit it the first try, the bullseye. And actually, that's what this whole series, you saw on the, you know, the, the bumper video, it's New Life's Bullseye. And uh, last week we started the series, this is the second week, and I, I, I give you that illustration to point out two things. Number one, last week I said at the beginning of the series, you know, Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you might end up someplace else. Well, if you don't have a target, it's really hard to hit. You know, and if you're my dad and my brothers, if you have a target, it's still hard to hit. But anyway, you know, if you have a target, it's easier to hit it. And so the target 
for new life, there's a general target and there's a specific target. And as I said last week, our general target, our general bullseye as a church is we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. That's our mission statement. And then we have a vision statement, which is our more specific, like that's the four-inch pipe. You know, that, this is the really tight bullseye. And, and it is simply this, to reach 1,500 people each weekend on our fully developed campus and plant one church in our region and facilitate the development of five other churches each year by 2020. So we know where we're going in general. We know where we're going in specific. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. And the first three weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to share. That was last week. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to jump on the website and watch the video. Or you could get the New Life app on your phone or other electronic device. And you can watch the message you missed. And then today, we're going to talk about what it means to grow the new life of Jesus Christ in our individual lives as individual Christian people, but also together as a church family, and then even what it means to help people grow who may be outside of new life, maybe don't even know Jesus yet. So that's today, and then obviously next week we'll talk about live, and then on the fourth week we'll talk about that specific vision. So today, as we talk about our bullseye, I want to understand something, uh, and that is... uh, we only can make one point effectively. That's what we believe. So we have a take-home point. And if you're new, here's the take-home point for today. If you're not new, you'll understand we always have a take-home point. It rhymes. It's a little catchy maybe. Maybe it'll be easier to remember than usual. But it goes like this. Being God's people means more than a steeple. Being God's people means more than a steeple. A lot of times people think of a church just as a building. And here at New Life we have a building. We're actually building another building. But that isn't what the church is all about. The church is about people. The gist of that take-home point is that our goal as the people of New Life Christian Ministries is not to build buildings. We build buildings to facilitate the growth of our church and the church's people. So uh, in America, and actually in Canada and Europe, often Christians are what are called nominal. Nominal means they're Christians in name only. They don't really grow up to be fully developed followers of Jesus, fully devoted followers of Jesus. And and so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about New Life's bullseye in regard to growth. So here at New Life, our bullseye has always included these things. Growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, in our understanding of his truth, and in our commitment to living it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be nominal Christians. We don't want to be casual Christians. In fact, back in 2007, I started writing a book that um, I finished in 2008 called Life Cycle of a Christian. And in that book, I, in the introduction, I raised the question of why is it that some people don't grow as followers of Jesus? Some people, you know, they, they trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, but they never seem to grow beyond that point. And I had asked pastors about that. I thought about it, prayed about it. And this is the conclusion I came to, and you're going to see it up on the screen, and I'm going to read it because it's a little bit of a longer quote. In the introduction, I wrote these words, some Christians grow and others do not because growth for followers of Jesus is optional. We must choose to grow. We must commit to grow. We must give control of the growth process over to God, and as we do those things, growth takes place as naturally as grass grows, as fruit trees bear fruit. As you and I progress through the stages of physical life, birth, infancy, childhood, adolescence, adulthood, and ultimately death. So if we do not make the choice to grow, if we do not commit to growth, if we do not give control of our growth over to God, then a year from now, a decade from now, even a century from now, we'll be in the same place spiritually that we are at this moment. I care a great deal that people grow up 
in their faith in Jesus Christ. I care about it for myself. Every day of my life, I read the Bible and I pray. And a lot of times I read other books about um, what it means to follow Jesus. And I seek to serve Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not just for me. I want that for every person that ever becomes part of new life. I want every person who ever comes into this church family to be all that God created you to be, to be a fully devoted and a fully growing and serving follower of Jesus Christ. Because I know that's Jesus' bullseye. And the reason I know that is because he led the apostle Paul to write some words to a church in a place called Ephesus that tell us that very thing. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to that passage or a Bible app. If you don't, it will be up on the screen. And we're going to read a couple verses at a time, and then we're going to digest what it says and what it means and what it implies for us as followers of Jesus in our growth. But before we do that, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds and our lives that we might hear your truth from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I pray that you might empower us by your Holy Spirit not just to hear words, but to understand them and to understand what it means to grow up to be like Jesus. Fill us with your Spirit that we might hear the words and apply them in our lives that you would be glorified and that we would be one step closer to a, a fully devoted and a fully grown up follower of Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Uh, one thing I should have already mentioned is we have an outline. It's inside the connection for those of you who are new. If you'd like to follow along, I've already filled in the first few blanks about growing in our relationship with Jesus, understanding his truth and our commitment to living out in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we're going to do now is we're going to get into those points that are the bullseye points from Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. So Paul wrote these words. He said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So the first reality that we have as we look at this passage is that Jesus gave specific gifts to equip his people for ministry. Now, as we read, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then I would say pastor-teacher because the original Greek makes it clear that pastor-teacher is one role. But some people talk about the five-fold ministry of apostleship, prophetic gift, evangelism, pastor, and, and teacher. I'm not going to argue about it. Five or four. The point is clear. God gave gifts to particular people to grow his whole church so that every one of us could become everything that he wants us to be. We're going to talk a little bit about what each of those roles are. The role of apostle, first of all, there were 12 original apostles. They were uh, followers of Jesus, and Jesus called them apart to be with him and to serve him and ultimately to share his uh, truth in the world and to plant churches everywhere. Now, one of those apostles died. He hanged himself, actually, after he had turned Jesus in. That was Judas. And Jesus replaced that one with the apostle Paul. But after those guys died, there were no more apostles in that sense. But the apostolic role continues to this very day because the apostolic role is the role of extending the church, planting the church throughout the world. Our good friend, Pastor Pat Summers, uh, who started Think Missions, uh, is an apostolic gifted man, apostolically gifted man. He has helped hundreds of churches get planted in Cuba and dozens of churches get planted in Bolivia. And he actually planted a church in Mars, Pennsylvania. So that's a role, a gifting that he has been given to help others 
And, and we've been able to participate in that through New Life as we've gone to Cuba each year, and we have been able to help to train and teach the, the missionaries, indigenous missionaries and pastors in Cuba. The next role is the prophetic role. And the prophetic role is a very challenging role. And sometimes we hear the word prophet and we think of somebody that tells the future. But that's really not what the role of prophet was in the Old Testament, nor in the New Testament. Sometimes they would tell something that was going to happen in the future. But more often what they did was they spoke the truth of God in circumstances where the people of God had turned away. They weren't following God. And and so the prophet would say, if you don't return to God, if you don't repent, which means to turn back, then what's going to happen is God is going to judge you. God is going to, there's going to be some hard consequences. In fact, uh, what the prophets always said is this, if we do not follow God, we will suffer the consequences. And some of the consequences for the Israelites were, you know, that they, they basically, they were rebelling against God, and so God let them go that direction, and they suffered the consequence of their rebellion. But he also sent them off into exile. But every time that the people repented, God received them back, and he continued to show them grace. And we all need that grace. And the prophetic role in our day is actually held up probably by just about every pastor, every preacher who, who speaks from this book and, and says it's true. Because we live in a culture here in 21st century America where people no longer believe that there's truth. Um, basically, truth is whatever we, um, you know, what we decide it to be, what we vote on it to be. But that isn't what truth is. The prophet says, thus says the Lord. And this word is from the Lord. So uh, in our day, we don't like to be held accountable, but that's what the prophet does, holds us accountable. Then the next role is that of evangelist. And now your lead pastor, me, um, I'm not a pastor by, by gifting. I'm an evangelist by gifting. When I was a young teenager, God laid it on my heart to tell everybody I could about Jesus. And that's what I've been doing pretty much all of my adult life. And Paul the Apostle, in his letters to the Corinthians, he said at one point, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. In other words, Paul woke up and he just had this passion that he had to preach. And I have this passion that I have to tell people that don't know about Jesus about Jesus. And that's why, you know, during the course of New Life's history, I've traveled all over the world to tell people about Jesus. And I've traveled pretty much over Butler County and into Allegheny County. Wherever God sends me, I like to start conversations with people who either don't believe in God or who have turned away from God. And and why New Life started as a church that was originally our mission, our bullseye, was narrower than it is now. The general one was simply to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And as I said last week, we expanded it to grow and live last year on our 15th anniversary because we realized after we share and people respond, then we want people to grow up and live the new life of Jesus Christ. But my heart and my passion is evangelism. And that is not typical of American pastors because the typical pastor has a pastoral role. And so that's the last one. The pastor teaching role is another gifting that that God has given, Jesus has given, to grow the church. And in every church, the pastor teacher role is the role of pastor actually means shepherd, so caring, and then teaching. And, And obviously right now I'm teaching, so I'm using, and that's the role I'm in right now, but my primary gifting is evangelism. So here at New Life, uh, at this point in our history, we actually have staff members who fulfill all of those roles, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But here's something, it's a little challenging, but I have to tell everybody here, we're going to do everything that we can do 
to make sure that New Life is planting more churches, to make sure that we're speaking the truth, to make sure that, you know, that we tell lost people about Jesus, to make sure that people are cared for and, and that teaching in the truth of God happens. But it's your responsibility to grow. I'm responsible to you, but I'm not responsible for you. Each of you is only going to grow if you take that responsibility seriously for yourself. And that's what Paul said. All of these roles, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, are given to do what? To equip the, the saints, is what it says in the original uh, Greek, for work of ministry so that we'll all grow up. In fact, what he says next is this. Man, I got pretty far without even realizing it. Ah, okay. Uh, once... Uh, once we grow up, it says this, we will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So what Paul is saying here is that the bullseye in our growth is measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We're going to be like Jesus. Wow, that's a big task, isn't it? In fact, it's an impossible task outside of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The good news is when we are born again, when Jesus comes into our life, his heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit also come into our life because there's only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are empowered to start to grow. We're responsible to open up our Bibles and read. We're responsible to pray. We're responsible to serve all of those things, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to do them in ways that we could never do, and that's how we grow up. Did you notice what Paul said is that when this growing is happening, we will come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature. So part of maturing is unity. Unity in the faith is a major thing. Some people have asked me, how, how can New Life that's in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, have more than 800 people coming on a weekend? How is that possible? Well, the answer is unity. Since we started New Life, we have been very clear about our, our target. Our target, our bullseye, is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. So when new people come in and they go to starting point or they go to growth track, we tell them, here's why we exist. We exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to share the new life of Jesus or grow in the new life of Jesus, you don't want to live in the new life of Jesus, you're not going to be happy here because we're never changing from that target. That's always going to be the bullseye. And so I've actually had people say to me, you know, I don't really like, and as soon as somebody says, I don't really like, uh, be, 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 I, I'm, I'm not that pastoral, okay? In my heart, I'm going, I don't really care. Um, I don't really care that you don't really like something because we're here to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And one day, I'm going to stand in front of not a group of people, but Jesus and so from day one of New Life, the only thing that we've cared about, uh, the leadership of New Life has only cared about one thing, is, is pleasing Jesus. And we know that to please Jesus means that we're going to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And that is going to be always the bullseye of New Life. And if, if that doesn't please you, that's okay. There are plenty of other churches where that isn't the goal. And that's not the only goal, but it is the only goal for, for here at New Life. It's the central goal of New Life. And so when people come, and people have come over the years, and they said, Pastor Chris, I have a great idea. And often it is a great idea. And sometimes they have a great idea. It's not such a great idea. You know, we should do this. We should do this. And here's what we have done. All the staff, if you come to any staff member of New Life and you say, I have a great idea, here's what we're going to do. We're going to filter the ideas with a simple question. Will it help us share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time? If it doesn't, we don't even consider it. I mean, there are a lot of good ideas out in the world, a lot of them. 
And there are a lot of humanitarian efforts going on in the world. They're good things. But we are not a humanitarian organization. We are a church, Church of Jesus Christ. Last week mentioned, mentioned that we are sending $10,000 to Faith Family Church to use for hurricane relief in the Houston area. Now, the reason we were doing it that way instead of sending it to the Red Cross or something, which there's nothing wrong with the Red Cross, great organization, wonderful organization. But we're sending it to Faith Family Church because we know that every bit of help that goes out from that church is going to go with the gospel. They're going to tell people about Jesus. You see, we don't apologize that we do things in the name of Jesus. We will never apologize for that. When we help people, we say, we're helping you in the name of Jesus. So if we can do something in that way, we will do it. But if it's just for, you know, for, to be a good person, then, then that's not what we're about as a church. So we, we move forward in that direction because we have this unity. And one of the things that brings unity is the Word of God. As we learn the Word of God, we come to, get, to rally around that. I read a lot of books every year. I read tons of books. But every time I read a book... And most of them have to do with ministry. I always have the one book, this book right here in mind. And if the book out here I'm reading doesn't line up with what this book is saying, then I don't listen to that book. And in your life, as you're seeking to grow, this is the most uh, beneficial tool that God has given us for our growth. I just That's sort of a tangent, but it's an important point. So Paul tells us that here's what happens as we grow up to be more and more like Jesus. We grow up to let the Holy Spirit lead as the unity of the faith continues and as we have the knowledge of Jesus. It says, he says this, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So what Paul is doing is being very clear. He's saying that growing is a process. It's a process, and the more we grow in Jesus, the less the world will be able to fool us. The world has a lot of ideas, and many of them sound good to us. In fact, one of the things the world tells us is that we should feel good. We should always feel good. And, and I'm not against feeling good, but the thing is, um, we read every day in the papers, and this is a big issue and a very serious thing, but we read every day about somebody else who has overdosed on an opioid, right? Every day, people die from heroin overdoses, other opioids. And, and it's a big issue, and, and, and it's a terrible issue. But here's the thing. We live in a drugged culture. When we wake up in the morning, if we have a little ache or pain, we think we have to take a pill. When we wake up in the morning and we're not feeling good emotionally, we think we have to take a pill. We, we think that basically we medicate every time we don't feel good. And, and what I'm not saying is you should never take a pill. But what I'm saying is this, not every ache or every pain is a bad thing. In fact, in the early church, they understood something. What they understood is this, that sometimes pain is helpful. Sometimes pain is helpful because it reminds us we're heading in the wrong direction and we need to get back on course. Sometimes what we learn in the, in the New Testament church, that suffering can be honorable. It can be honorable to suffer in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to feel good all the time, but if we follow Jesus Christ, we won't feel good all the time. And the other thing that we learn from the scriptures is this, that feeling good without doing good is not a blessing. Feeling good without doing good is not a blessing. In other words, if we're feeling good because of some artificial activity or substance that doesn't glorify God, that's not good. And so we learn as we grow up in every way into Jesus Christ as we learn um, how to not be deceived by the, the world's ways, which are really the devil's ways at the end of the day, um, we learn that 
following Jesus is not always fun, but is always best. So the next thing that Paul says, in the ultimate sense, this is what our growth is going to look like. It, when, we, when it's everything, the whole church, not just us individually, but when the whole church gets to act together, it's going to look like this. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So remember, this is the ideal. This would be if every single person dedicated ourselves to Jesus Christ and to letting the Holy Spirit lead in our lives and we would grow day by day into the unity and, you know, of the faith and the knowledge of Jesus and we would not any longer be you know, tossed in, to and fro. What would happen is we would speak the truth in love and we would grow up to be like Jesus. That's, that's the ideal goal. And actually, what, what I want us all to remember is the, tru- the church lives truth and love as it grows more and more like Jesus in every way. And that's the bullseye. Notice it says that as each part does its own special work, as each part does its own special work, um, that's what happens. It helps the other parts grow. I can't make you grow. You can't make me grow. But you can encourage me to grow and you can challenge me to grow and I can encourage you to grow and challenge you to grow. And when I do my part and you do your part, the church becomes what it's supposed to be. And here's something that's really powerful. There's something that God created you to do that nobody else can do. There's something that every person in this room was created to do in the body of Jesus Christ that only you can do. If you don't do it, it will never get done. And that's why it's so important for all of us to grow up. If we grow up, when we grow up, then what happens is we will be able to be the church that speaks the truth in love in every situation. And and I've said this so often over the years, we really exist to speak the truth in love. You know, there are people that come from other churches to new life. I'm not going to tell you that every person that comes to new life came from not having any relationship with God at all. There are people that come in here to new life, and they have all kinds of stories, you know, and as they come, this is the story I've never heard. I had to leave my old church because they spoke the truth in love so much, and they loved me too much. I just couldn't stand it anymore. You know, nobody has ever left a church because the church spoke the truth in love too much, and they were loved too much. It's never happened. In fact, if you go out into the world, what what the world thinks about the church is that the church is full of hateful people, hypocritical people, people that don't care about God. The interesting thing is, even out in the world, if anybody knows about Jesus, they're all about Jesus. People like Jesus. They just don't like church people. And sometimes even in, in the church, you know, we like Jesus and we don't like each other, you know. But the bottom line is, when we speak the truth in love, because we've committed ourselves to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and when we're growing up in the unity of the faith, more and more and more, we actually are the body of Jesus. And that's a magnetic thing. You can't keep people away when you speak the truth in love and you love them. And, and I mean, that's why we want to be that kind of a church. And, and there are a lot of churches out in the, in the world that are speaking the truth. There are. They're speaking the truth, but they don't really care about love. They just want to tell the truth. And it feels like a hammer. But there are also a lot of churches, I think probably more churches out there these days, that they're just about love. It feels like mush, a pile of mush, because there's no connection to Jesus, the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have to hold those two things together. And as we do that, Paul says, 
we grow up, every ligament, every sinew, every part of the body becomes strong. And Jesus is the head and he's giving guidance and direction to the whole thing. So it all boils down to this. When each person commits to growing into the full stature of Jesus, the whole church becomes healthy, growing, and full of love. I've had people tell me, pastors have told me, I don't know, you know, I don't think every church is supposed to grow. I've had Christians tell me, I don't think a church should get big. But this is what we know from this passage. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. And so if we do all of these things, what will happen is the church will get bigger. But that's not the most important growth. The most important growth is you will get deeper in your relationship and connection to Jesus Christ, and so will I. The first growth that Paul is talking about is we grow up individually and together collectively, we will grow because people want to be part of that. People want to be part of something where there's a meaning and a purpose bigger than ourselves and when it's God's purpose. So I can't make you grow, you can't make me grow, but our goal as a church is to help each other grow, challenge each other to grow, to move each other forward in our growth. So if you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you haven't surrendered your life to him, I would tell you right now, this is the best moment for you to do that because there's never gonna be a better time than now to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Savior means that he saved you from sin and death, me, all of us. Lord means that he gets to tell us what to do. That's not fun all the time, but it's what's best for us because he's perfect and he always knows what is best for us. So right now, you, you can simply say, Jesus, I've been living on my own. I've been following a path that doesn't lead to anywhere, ultimately. I want my life to mean something for eternity. So right now, I'm going to give my life to you. And as you do that, as you transfer ownership to Jesus, he called it being born again and you get a whole new life. And for all of us, if you've just done that or whether you did it 50 years ago, here's the commitment for today. I will grow with my brothers and sisters in Jesus this week. I will grow with my brothers and sisters in Jesus this week. That's going to look different for every single one of us in the room. Because if you just trusted Jesus five seconds ago or two minutes ago, then Jesus says that spiritually speaking, you're a baby. And it's okay to be a baby when you're a baby. So you're just going to learn how to read the Bible and pray and serve. But if you've been following Jesus for 50 years, then your prayer life is going to be a lot deeper. You know, you might spend an hour or two in prayer every day. Your, your reading of the Bible is going to be at a different level. And that's what it's supposed to be. We're not all supposed to be the same. But we're all supposed to be committed to Jesus, and we're all supposed to be growing little by little by little by little. And as we do that together, and, and that's the key, we were created for life together. As we do that together, Paul tells us what it's going to look like. It's going to be an awesome group of people who love Jesus, who are like Jesus, and who attract people like a magnet. And that's always been the plan here at New Life. And as we live that plan out day by day by day, you grow deeper, I grow deeper, and together we grow deeper. God's plan is fulfilled. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have a plan for us, you have a bullseye for us, a target for us to hit, and that is to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love each other as we love ourselves, and, and to live it out together in this body called the church. God, we praise you for everything that you have shown us of what it means to be your church. And today we pray simply, fill us with your Holy Spirit, new and fresh, that we might follow you where you're leading, the next step in our journey of faith and growth.
individually and together to your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.